Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the CHGO Fire Podcast, presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. I am Alex Campbell. Pat McCraney is off this week. He's on vacation, so I am joined instead by another Alex. You could say that Alex Calabrese is to Chicago soccer media as Gaga Slanina is to Chicago soccer. Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Glad to have you here. Happy to be here. So we're going to talk a few things today. We're going to start with the unfortunate result for the fire down in Houston, but then we're also going to take this as an opportunity to dive into some of Alex's areas of expertise, including Chicago Fire 2 and how they are getting on in MLS Next Pro this season. And also, Chris Brady is currently in goal for the U.S. Under-20 team as they try to qualify for the Olympics. But first things first, Fire 2 excuse me, fire nil, Houston Dynamo 2. And Alex, last week, Pat and I were thinking maybe the fire could uh, string some wins together. Very much not the case, as that was a, a pretty disastrous effort down in Texas. Yeah, that's, that's a big ask out of the Chicago Fire to win two games in a row. <laughs> See, it's not something they really make a habit of. The fire did start well in this game. Um, Stanislav Ivanov and Chris Mueller, both with some chances for the wing from the wings. Chris Mueller really trying to cash in that points bet pick of the week. Pat and I lined up for him to score in this game. That did not happen. And then against the run of play, we get what can only be described as an incredibly fluky goal. How many deflections were on this? Between the cross and the goal, like three or four? Something like that. And it's just, it's just frustrating. It feels like the fire are never getting any of those lucky bounces this season. Uh, some good moments in the opening 20 minutes. Ivanov was looking the most lively he's looked in a couple of weeks. Just didn't get the goal out of that. And then after the Houston goal went in, the fire really never looked like they were going to come back into the game. Yeah, and it feels like on set pieces in particular, the bounces just won't go the fire's way. This was one of like, what, it's been what, three or four games in a row now where in the first half an hour, the fire seemed to get a bunch of corners and then none of them go anywhere. And then inevitably, the first time Houston swings the ball into the box, it takes a bunch of random bounces. Gaga's got no chance. It's in the back of the net. And it's it just feels like... Is it the fire's delivery on set pieces and corners is terrible? Or why can they never just get a bounce like that? That, you know, just gives them that right boost. Because to your point, it felt like the fire were on top. And then from the moment that goal goes in, you just have no confidence that the fire are going to get back in it. I mean, yeah, the delivery from the fire certainly hasn't been good enough this year. I think Shakiri, that's one of the things that he was expected to do. And he just hasn't delivered in that regard. Gaston Jimenez's delivery hasn't been the best either. Of course, there have been some here and there, but it's just not been consistent enough. And again, bad, bad luck sometimes on the, on the opposing team's side, should I say. They've been getting some of those bounces where the fire, I don't think they've gotten really any all season, and it's just hard to watch. It's always been odd, I think, to ever also have Gaston Jimenez taking set pieces because he's one of the tallest players on the team. Like, I don't care if he's not that great with his head. Just sometimes the fire line up for set pieces, and it's like, well, we got one dude over six foot in there somewhere, so... This isn't going to go particularly well. So that first goal, I don't think you can really blame anyone for. The second goal, though, man, just bad defense all over the place. And we have to talk here about not just this play, but this entire game and the last couple of games. It has been a rough ride for Carlos Tehran as White Amsberg's replacement since White Amsberg went down with injury. And this goal is maybe the best example we've seen so far of him just being caught totally flat-footed and having no awareness of runners in behind him. Again, I don't think there's anything Gaga can really do at this point. 
and his defense just really not helping him out on this goal in particular. Carlos Tehran has had a rough couple of weeks, but here's the thing with him. He just will cost you a goal or two in a game, and then will save you two goals in the same game, and it's just hard to... Because you know the potential's there. He has some of the attributes. He's really, really big. He's really quick. Like He's got some of those... He's got potential to be a really useful center back for this team, but he just has these moments, like that second goal, where he was just standing there. He's, he's a big guy, but the ball just like went over his head, and he didn't really try to do anything about it, and then was just caught out and didn't really track back, and... 2-0 Houston. And there was another moment in that first half where he gets caught with a runner in behind and Gaga almost gets chipped from like 25 yards because no one follows the runner in behind. And it just, it feels like we're seeing almost a pattern of that now where teams know, even with so little data, and it'll be interesting to watch a Philadelphia Union team tonight against the Fire who notably keeps their forwards very high and wants to press in behind the defensive line, how they approach it if the book is already out on Tehran, oh, just make runs in behind him and he's not going to be able to track it. So I guess the, that leaves the question, do you give Tehran more time? Mauricio Pineda is still currently unavailable with injury. He won't play tonight. Your only other real options, if you wanted to slide anyone else into center back, are to play Jonathan Bornstein there and have two left footers. Or you could play Boris Sekulich as a center back, but we've really only seen him do that as part of a three. What are kind of your thoughts on what the fire do at this point? I don't think, with Wyatt Omsberg out for the year, this is an important question to ask as well. I don't really think you have any other options other than Tehran. I think with two lefties, that's just a really big risk that I'm not really willing to take because at that point, you'd have to move Shikos over to the right. And that's not really where he's comfortable and you can't fully utilize him there. With with Boki, I'm just a little worried that he couldn't. He's never played in his career in a back four in in the middle of that, so that's also a little bit worrying. Um, for me, I would just stick with Tehran, even though he's been a little bit up and down. I think you have to go with him, um, and hopefully, when Pineda comes back, I think he probably should be the go-to guy for the rest of the season. But it's between him and Tehran, and it might go back and forth. Maybe with when you know Omsberg is out for three months, potentially through the end of the season you maybe have to look at bringing in some sort of serviceable reinforcement in that position just because it's such a, such, excuse me, such a thin position now for this team. Could have gone out and gotten someone like Giorgio Chiellini on a TAM deal. <laughs> we'll talk more about LAFC in a minute. But, yeah, the fire definitely looked like they could be in need of defensive reinforcements. And to your Bornstein comment about two left-footers, if Carlos Tehran can't track runners in behind – I don't think a uh, center-back pairing of uh, Shihos and Bornstein is exactly going to be keeping up with anybody. No, not at all. Um, so the fire take on Philadelphia tonight, as I mentioned, Pineda's still out. Jairo Torres, still out. Still no update on that. Again, uh, the weekly news conference would normally be right after this show on Wednesdays, but the fire are playing tonight, so that isn't happening either. So we will have to wait till at least after tonight's game to hear anything from Ezra Hendrickson on if Torres is closer to playing. Jordan Shakiri though, is off the injury report. He is not listed on there, so we think we're going to see Shaq back in the lineup tonight. He'll at least be on the bench against Philly. He should be able to start, but he may come off the bench. We'll just have to wait and see. Big headline tonight. The Fire have been posting about this in their social media leading up to this game. Casper Shabilko taking on the Philadelphia Union for the first time since departing the club. And he just really hasn't looked like the player, Alex who the Philadelphia Union sold to the Chicago Fire. And at some point, I know he's had injury issues. In your mind, what's been kind of the biggest difference? What's been the limiting factor that we're not seeing the reliable MLS goal scorer that was hitting the back of the net consistently for Philly? I think there are two things. Over the years in Philly, he was best when he was in a two-up top, often next to Corey Burke or someone else. Who he, who he could work with and, pl and he could play, they could play off of him a little bit. That was when he was at his best. So I think that's maybe one thing where he's being asked to be the lone guy and to drop deep a little bit. That, that may be one thing. I think the second thing is just the injury issues. It seems like there may be potentially some long-term stuff because they seem to be affecting him, and it's just a little bit worrying for me. Yeah, and the system the Fire are playing right now, very different than the Red Bull-ish 4-4-2 that Jim Curtin plays in Philly, that 4-4-2 diamond, where, to your point, Shabilko wasn't asked to do, to do a lot of running. He was largely asked to be a hold-up guy and to be a penalty box predator, and that strike partner, whether it was Sergio Santos 
or Corey Burke would be somebody who would be the guy to go run, to go press, to do that part of the game. And now just it does feel like Shabilko does get isolated quite a bit. Um, while we're talking MLS, because we're going to talk some non-MLS stuff here after the ad read in a moment, the biggest MLS news of the last week for sure, and maybe the season, Gareth Bale signs for LAFC on a TAM contract so they keep another VP spot open. Yeah, I think that deserves the celebration horn. I mean, sure, why not? So, also, Carlos Vela, right after Bale signs, signs an extension, so he is staying. It sounds like that commitment from LAFC to bring in Bale might have been slightly enticing to Carlos Vela. We don't know how they would exactly line up. I'm guessing they would shift Vela to the middle again and play Bale on the right and Brian Rodriguez on the left. Maybe Bale goes into the middle where he has to run less. Maybe he's a bench guy initially. Who knows? Either way, LAFC didn't need Gareth Bale. They're already top of the MLS Supporter Shield standings right now. But just in general, Alex, what was your reaction to the the Bale news over the weekend when Tom Bogert of MLS Soccer dropped that bombshell? I will say it caught me off guard a little bit. He was going to leave Real Madrid. We already knew that. But they've got their first World Cup since 1958 for Wales. And I think for Gareth Bale at this point in his career, that's really all that he really cares about, that World Cup with Wales. He just needed to go somewhere for six months to stay fit and get ready for that World Cup. And I think L.A., even though they're paying him a lot less than he might have earned somewhere in Europe, it's just probably enticing to live in L.A. for six months and prepare for Qatar. Absolutely. And when the other main club he was being linked with was Cardiff in his hometown, Cardiff playing the championship, he wasn't going to make any better money at Cardiff than he'd be making with LAFC. And any of the European teams that could afford to pay him some huge sum, no one was going to pick up that $400,000 a week contract he was getting at Real Madrid. Uh, that was not going anywhere. So, yeah. And, hey, the golf is probably a lot They've nicer in L.A. They've got 19 golf courses in the L.A. area. So 19? they got to have more than that. They gotta yeah, they've got to have at least 19 I, nice golf courses. Also, the question is, what country club is he joining? Yeah, but, I mean, you know, obviously it's summer, so most European leagues are off. So he comes to MLS. Like I said, he gets stays fit for the World Cup. I mean, I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's going to be the whole lineup for that. The question is going to be as the MLS schedule condenses. MLS is going to be a league that runs into this problem more than other leagues in Europe because European leagues already understand that they don't want to have the problem of every player just saying, oh, I'm injured the last two weeks yep. before the World Cup and being just like, don't play me. MLS and a team like LAFC in particular is going to run a bit into this because I haven't looked at the calendar, but I believe MLS Cup is like two weeks. I think MLS Cup is like the eighth or something. Yeah, it's like two it weeks really before the USA plays Wales in that opening game. And so you're going to have a whole bunch of guys. If you know, if a team like LAFC gets makes a late cup run, guys like Bale, guys like Kellen Acosta, are they really going to want to be playing meaningful minutes at that point in MLS play? You look at some of the other, you know, if FC Dallas were to make a deep MLS playoff run, Jesus Ferreira, Paul Areola, those guys going to want to be playing minutes so close to the World Cup. So MLS is going to get itself into potentially some interesting territory with those last teams remaining. Meanwhile, if your team doesn't make the MLS Cup playoffs or doesn't make a deep run, maybe not the worst thing. Fitness is also a question at that point. Now, Greg Berhalter has said that the U.S. is going to have a camp for some MLS players, but for a lot of those other teams, say you're uh, Gareth Bale and say LAFC crash out early in the playoffs, now suddenly you have a month and a half before the World Cup and you don't have any games to play. Yeah, it's kind of a catch-22. It's like, on the one hand, your risk of injury has just gone down because you don't have any competitive soccer to play. On the other hand, you need to go find someone to kick a ball around for a month. Whereas, you know, with the U.S., to your point, Burhalter could just set up a camp at, like, you know, the training center in Kansas City, for example, and say, hey, anyone who wants to come hang out for two weeks can come hang out and we'll train. Players who are in countries playing for national teams whose domestic leagues will still be going – there's not going to be just guys hanging around to go play with. So, yeah, certainly going to be a weird thing in general that the U.S. is not going to have a chance to even play any closed-door friendlies before the World Cup starts, whereas if you're a team who doesn't play till say, the last day of, you know, of the World Cup opening games, if you're in Group G or Group H, you might have a little more lead-up time. It, it, the timing is going to be weird. Well, even Mexico, they play the day after the U.S. They're in Group C, I think. They announced a game against Sweden on the Tuesday before. So I guess it's not impossible, but they, they do actually have a final warm-up game. I believe it's going to be in Spain. 
Yeah, no. I think maybe a closed door front they could still be on the table for the U.S. But all the public commentary has basically been, no, we're going to show up, train, and off we go. And again, the U.S. is maybe a little fortunate. Nothing against Wales, but if you had to pick a game to play first, you would absolutely pick that one. Yeah, for sure. So we will have to see how Gareth Bale gets on in MLS as he prepares for that opening game in Qatar against the United States. Before we go on with the show, it's time for me to tell you that the best way to support this podcast and to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that is not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. We would recommend that awesome-looking CHGO fire shirt. I don't know. We did just drop these three new shirts here that are on screen here. There are some new shirts. You can see them on the screen. Southside Bias. I'm a big fan of right that one right there. Cubs fans, though, hey, Chicago, what do you say? Not bad either. Chicago Skyline, always classic. And if you have any questions about that special CHGO offer on PointsBet, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. CHGO, excuse me, PointsBet is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. See an edge in the game you're watching? Think your favorite team is primed for a comeback? Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the action all game long. Download the PointsBat app right now and use promo code CHGO. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just live bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Also, this is the point in the show where I, as usual, tell you about OWEN, which stands for Only What You Need. OWEN is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All of their products are free from artificial ingredients. They're allergen-friendly, including being both gluten and dairy-free, making them easily digestible, which is great if you're like me and have a bunch of food allergies. And I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who himself follows a plant-based diet. Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer, 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's L-I-V-E-O-W-Y-N.com with the code CHGO20. That's CHGO20. Join me and Justin Fields and try Owen only what you need. Uh, next up, Alex, it's time to check in on the Gaga saga. Uh, there is no new news on the Gaga saga. He's still heavily linked to Chelsea. They are still doing nothing as Todd Bowley cleans house in terms of the Chelsea front office. But Gaga's been kind of weird on social media this week. He normally doesn't post, like, anything. There's been, been a lot of, like, kind of cryptic, inspirational quote-type posts from Gaga lately, and that's been weird. Although I think the biggest alarming thing is he didn't have sushi for Sushi Sunday this weekend, and I'm not sure what to make of all of this. I'm confused. Yeah, I mean, things are definitely things are definitely changing. Things are definitely happening behind the scenes. We haven't heard anything yet from Fabrizio Romano, and it is crazy that Fabrizio Romano is following the Chicago Fire right now. But uh, we haven't heard any new news yet. We're just going to have to wait and see, but I'm excited to see where he ends up, whether it be Chelsea, Real Madrid, or someone else out of nowhere. Yeah, as Pat and I mentioned last week, this deal seems not sensitive to time unless some team were to come in and offer more than what Chelsea's proposing, which based on the offers we've seen seems unlikely. So we'll have to wait and see. Full disclosure, Alex and I both have a, uh, a personal interest maybe in Gaga ending up at Chelsea, but we will, uh, we'll have to wait and see. U.S. M&T goalkeepers have been on the move this week. Zach Steffen heading to Middlesbrough on loan in the championship. Maybe not quite the loan U.S. M&T fans would have been hoping for there. Um, meanwhile, Matt Turner has arrived at Arsenal. Yeah, yeah that's he, right. He is officially a gunner. Yeah, right. Arsenal do have some house cleaning to do, though. Burn Leno is still there as well. That's fine. Some, something's got to give there. By all accounts, it sounds like Leno is going to leave and that Matt Turner yeah, will be the backup to Aaron Ramsdale. Did, did you see the, uh, the last Revolution match where Turner was signing uh, – things and and there was some oh, moron in a spurs yeah. jersey yes and he said ugh that's disgusting i was like that's my gooner right there let's oh, go no. matt already knows matt already knows that if he had signed a spurs fans jersey 
It would not have gone well for him uh, online on Arsenal Twitter, Arsenal Reddit. It would have been a bad time. Bad start. So Arsenal Twitter, what a place. Yes. I mean, they already love him. Yeah, Arsenal fans already love him. Gunner through and through, baby. Start. Let's go. Yeah, which is, good, which is good to see. Shout out to uh, maybe also Tobin Heath, previously sowing some American goodwill among the Arsenal fan base. And I think we're going to see Matt Turner play a decent amount. I think at least he's going to maybe get the Europa League games. Aaron Ramsdale is currently fighting for a role in the squad for England, so that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Lots of unknowns with American goalkeepers, not just Gaga. From what I've heard about Matt Turner, it sounds like Arsenal staff is promising that he's going to at least get some opportunities to earn the starting job, which was a little bit of a surprise to me, and I don't think it'll necessarily happen because Ramsdale is an excellent goalkeeper, but he'll have chances, so we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Yeah, Ramsdale, young goalkeeper still. I mean, not as young as Gaga, but young. Um, has shown that he can kind of have runs of form. He'll have like a two-month period where he looks like Iker Casillas, and then he'll have a month where he can't stop anything. See the England 4-0 loss to Hungary a couple weeks ago. So I don't know how much Matt Turner can win that job, but I think it's entirely possible Aaron Ramsdale could lose that job. That is true. We'll just have to see what happens with Bern Leno as well. Is he actually going to leave? I know it sounded like he was going to leave last January. That didn't end up happening, so we'll have to wait and see with that. Speaking of young Chicago Fire players, at least for now, we've wanted an opportunity to touch on the Fire's B team, Chicago Fire 2, playing in MLS Next Pro this year. And Alex is a bit more of an expert on it than Pat or I are, so we thought this would be a good time to delve into what's going on back in Bridgeview where they are playing their home games and where all those young Fire homegrowns, all those kids, are playing most of their minutes this year. So, Alex, kind of big picture Fire 2, they're ninth in the Eastern Conference, which isn't great. They kind of started this year as a place to just dump Fire bench players and get the minutes, and that didn't really result in anything tactically cohesive. But it seems like since that squad has been more consistently just the kids, things seem to be on the up, at least a little bit, from, from a distance viewing it. I'm not too worried about it because MLS Next Pro, every team in this league is still trying to figure it out, still trying to figure out exactly what it's going to look like. As you saw, beginning of the season, it was a lot of, like, you know, 04 and Espinoza just playing games when they weren't playing for the first team. Now it's more of a, those core group of homegrown guys from 2002 to 2005 who have been playing together for a lot of years and know each other quite well. So that has definitely benefited the team a little bit. And there have been some guys who have been really shining uh, and some guys who might potentially be getting some time with the first team in the future. So I think... They obviously had winning at the second place New England Revolution this weekend. That was a lot of fun. I was at that game as well, and they scored a lot of goals. Victor Bezerra looking amazing. Some other guys like Sergio Odahel was looking really good as a lone six, and those are he's definitely someone I'm also really excited about for the future of this team. Yeah, Victor Bezerra with a big game this weekend scored two goals, including one where he just like juggled it through the defense. So Bezerra, Sergio Odahel, Alex Monis are the first guys that kind of come to my mind has anyone really kind of elevated their stock do you think anybody who might not have been on the radar of getting first team minutes at the start of the year who maybe we could see push for that at some point I think there's a guy who isn't even on the fire senior roster who could be doing that and that's Omari Glasgow who is the Guyana international forward who has been playing for this team uh, he was signed just to an MLS next pro deal I believe and he has been one of the best attackers on this team. Really quick, really effective going forward. And never say never. I think there's a possibility that sometime in the near future he does. we do see him with the first team. So we mentioned, we were talking about tonight's game against Philly and the injury report. A name I didn't mention is that Fetty Navarro is questionable tonight. And if he can't go, what do you see as the fire's options with maybe bringing somebody up from the MLS Next Pro starting lineup, maybe giving them a start in MLS. Yeah, so if Fede can't go, there are two guys who can play in that double pivot, potentially. One of them is Javi Casas, who we've seen with the first team a little bit here and there, mostly off the bench. He's been all right, nothing special. Not a super high ceiling, could be a good MLS player in the future. We'll just have to wait and see with him. But he's been playing as an eight for Fire 2. They were, they've been playing a 4-3-3, with Sergio Odahel as a lone six. Sergio is only 16 years old. He's an 05. He's really young. But he is one of the highest potential players in this fire team. I, I'd say out of all the homegrowns, other than the two goalkeepers, he's probably the one with the highest ceiling for me. And even though he came up in the academy as a 10, he's been playing as a six lately. And 
he's a bit small. Maybe he's not ready for MLS yet. But again, definitely someone who I think will make the bench tonight. And I'd like to see him with the first team at some point. You were talking, uh, when we were talking off show, you made a Tyler Adams comparison with him. As, you know, when Tyler Adams was coming through the Red Bulls Academy and playing, when he played in midfield, he was more often playing as an eight, playing as a little farther forward. And then because of his ball winning ability and his athleticism, ended up in that six role. It sounds like maybe we're seeing some similar type of talent emerging here. Yeah, I do think there's a little bit of difference, though, is that Sergio is a very different type of player than Tyler Adams. Um, he's, he's a playmaker. He can be a playmaking six. He was dropping dimes from that defensive midfield position in the last game, and he had an assist off of a set piece and also delivered a corner that resulted in a goal as well in that last game against the New England Revolution. And he's been one of the most impactful players for that team. Once again, usually the youngest player on the field. That's just 16 years old. So for fans who are Fire fans but might not follow some of the U-team stuff super closely, they might see a bit of a disconnect between the fact that, and we know this has changed a lot, but last year, the Fire won the MLS Next Cup. With the the U-19s. With the U-19s. And now this is MLS Next Pro, and we're not seeing that kind of success translate. Is it mostly because of the chopping and changing of the roster? Is it because we're seeing a lot of older players in this field? What's kind of, you think, been the biggest speed bump for a lot of these young players as the league format has changed? The only thing that this really has in common with MLS Next last year is that, yeah, there are a couple of the same guys who were in that championship-winning team last year, but the only thing it really has in common is the name, other than that. It's, it's MLS Next, but MLS Next is really the academy tournament. This is truly a reserve league, so it's, it's not really apples and oranges. Not very many teams have very many guys who are on that U19 team, so... Yeah, but the Fire Academy, there is some bright stuff in the future, and looking at that U17 and U15s, U15s sadly got knocked out yesterday, but there are some really talented guys coming up, and there's a bright future for the Fire homegrowns. Yeah, because it feels like people might be saying, man, the Fire, where are these, you know, we signed all these homegrowns, where are all these kids, you know, Mm because Gaga sets a ridiculous standard, Brian Gutierrez sets a bit of an unrealistic standard for how immediately good a 17 or 18-year-old is going to be at the first team level. It feels like MLS Next Pro allows the fire to play the long game a bit with not only giving these kids meaningful minutes, but to your earlier point, them playing together mm-hmm. and allowing those relationships to develop and then hopefully being able to simply, in the future, elevate that chemistry into the first team. Mm-hmm. I think that with the exception of Alan Rodriguez, pretty much every of those homegrowns has been getting consistent minutes in the second team. And even if they're not ready for MLS minutes yet, it's great to be able to have a place that we can get them on the field playing together instead of just sending them on loan to Madison or Tulsa or whatever it may be. That's not quite the same as having them playing together in Bridgeview with the guys they came up in the academy with. And I've really enjoyed watching that team for that reason. So up on the screen, that there are the MLS Next Pro standings. As I mentioned, currently fire, second bottom, just three victories. Again, one of them coming against New England, who, as Alex mentioned, currently in second place. But again, the standings here, not the most important thing, especially when you're the fire, playing a team that is largely full of teenagers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can't really expect too much yet oh, in terms on, of Alex, valuing one, that. You're talking about a team full of teenagers to a teenager. Don't hey, be as disparaging I though, teenagers in front of teenagers. Yeah, but hey, Alex, as I mentioned, is, is to this world as Gaga is to... To the, uh, to the soccer world. So, again, not everybody can set such lofty expectations. I guess that's true, Alec. I mean, hey, yeah. I was going to say, with the under-20s team, you got to have at least one under-20 eligible guy on the call, you know? Yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I like where your head's at. We're going to talk about some under-20 soccer, including Chris Brady, who is currently not with Fire 2 because he has other things to do right now, right after this week's points bet pick of the week. As I mentioned, we were not able to string wins together. Chris Mueller did not score. But we've got one, Alex, this week that I'm feeling pretty good about, and it centers around an old friend. This Sunday, the fire traveled to California to take on the San Jose Earthquakes, who, same as it ever was, are the leakiest defense in the league, even though Matias Almeida is gone. And the fire and San Jose both to score in that game, currently valued on points bet at minus 170. Again, that seems like a little bit of short odds for this sort of thing. But you know what? Easy money is good money in my mind. And even the fire who can't seem to string enough passes together to score from open play, I think they can get one past the uh, 
Francisco Calvo marshaled Earthquakes defense. Yeah, I do think so, too. They just haven't been that good at all this year. So Jeremy Bobasi, <laughs> bright spot for them, which, Jeremy again, <laughs> supports my both teams to score points because it does seem like San Jose knows where the goal is. It's just they still just cannot defend to save their lives. Fingers crossed Jairo Torres will be back for that game. If, if, if it's... Uh, if it's Hiro, Shakiri, Mueller, Shabilko going up against that Francisco Calvo team, hopefully, finally, some goals will get in the back of the net and not just a lucky bounce like we had last week. It still is amazing to me that Francisco Calvo is going to captain a team at the World Cup, that that is a thing that is going to that happen. That's fantastic. It's, it's, the content is amazing, if absolutely nothing else. All right, so from the fire kids to, well, one fire kid and Wait, a bunch of on. other kids. We have a question in the chat I'd like oh, to Oh, we do have a question here. in the chat. Uh, playing with fire soccer says, did CHO use homegrown rights on Alex? I, I don't know if we've established that. I, I feel like... I believe I'm on a one-day loan. Yeah, he's on a one-day <laughs> loan at the moment. Um, I don't know how the discovery process works. I think Pat McCraney would probably claim discovery rights on Alex from a media <laughs> standpoint. So if that's the case, maybe CHO, like grandfathered in gets Alex's homegrown rights. Hey, I mean, I'll take him. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I have my role in. I'm not sure if I'm a GM. The, or the next thing we'll have to do is, uh, d do we have his rights for softball? I think that's really the bigger question is, can yeah. we get him? Can we, uh, Acquire him to the CHGO softball what's your, team. What's your glove like? How's your softball game? Do you? Uh, I've never played softball before. That's you'll be fit right in with. Yeah, that that's team. that's not that's not disqualifying in any way, shape, or form. We'll have to explore that though on uh, on how that works. On you uh, like you know, do you have to make a one time switch? Is like how how, how does this how does this all out. work anyway? Because Alex, a very successful youth media career, I would say, based on his TikTok following. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could talk about TikTok if you want. I, I don't know anything about it, but if you want to talk about it. I mean, I follow honey. Alex on TikTok. I'm one of 27,000 and some people <laughs> yeah. who follow Alex on TikTok. How does that happen? How do you get 27,000 followers? I don't know how followers? that happened. I was, I was surprised that people were watching it. I was just making <laughs> random videos. Okay. And one of those hit, and next thing you know. Pretty much. Two million views, 27,000 followers. Hey, it's one of those things. That we've got a national team that's basically all kids, so it makes sense that the sure. the kids are following the national team, I guess. But so now, do you feel pressure every time you try and make a TikTok video? You try and match that, and I don't even you know, like upload that much anymore, to be honest. Oh man, it's like I will never live up to the standard of what I had two years ago when I was getting like a hundred thousand every video. Yeah. So. Wow. Okay. Have you moved on to a new uh, platform? Is there somewhere we should be following you? I'm trying to do YouTube, but it's just slow growth. Okay. We'll get there. Well, you're on YouTube right now, so welcome. Yeah, you know. Well. Yes, he is on YouTube <laughs> right now, and so far, so good. Also, so far, so good. The U.S. men's under-20 team at the CONCACAF Championships in Honduras with a win last night over Costa Rica. Another clean sheet for Chicago's own Chris Brady. They have qualified for next year's U-20 World Cup in Indonesia. But, Alex, they were expected to do that. The big one now, they've got a boogeyman to fight off. Friday night, they play Honduras, and the winner of that game will qualify for the 2024 Olympics. Yes, CONCACAF is weird. They just decided, hey, let's take this one random youth tournament and make it the qualifier for everything. So it was the qualifier for the U-20 World Cup next year. It's also the qualifier for the Olympics in two years, which are an under-23 tournament, and maybe only a couple of these dudes will even be playing at. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway, Honduras was the team that prevented the U.S. from going to the most recent Olympic Games in men's soccer. And the one before that as And well. the one before that. So a real chance on Friday night for this team to exercise some demons and qualify for the Olympics in Paris. Yeah, but also you have to remember this. 2016, I believe that qualifying tournament was in Florida. 2021, it was in Guadalajara. This time it's in San Pedro Sula. So that does add an extra element to it that the U.S. have to go to Honduras in a full stadium in front of the Honduran faithful in San Pedro Sula and beat that team who are riding a high after a come-from-behind win against Panama last night, a superior Panama team as well. On paper, this is not a very talented Honduran team. This is a team that the U.S. team should easily take care of, but when you go down to Honduras, that makes it so much harder, and they're dealing with the added pressure that Honduras have knocked the U.S. out of the last two Olympic tournaments. So that is 8 o'clock 
on Friday night. I believe, I'm hoping that game gets FS1. It Might, is FS1. Okay, yep. so the, FS1 and two-day NA. Yeah, that game's been, these games have been hard to watch on TV, but as the games have gone on and as the Americans keep winning, slowly their media exposure gets better. We started, I believe, on just the, the, uh, the CONCACAF YouTube page for that first yes. game, and now we're going to be on two-day and FS1 on Friday. So they're slowly coming along. We mentioned already Chris Brady's the fire connection. He didn't play in the first game because he, I guess he was still recovering from some slight muscle injury. He has played every game since, and at times has looked very good, at other times has had very little to do. So how would you assess Chris Brady's performance so far in this tournament, even though he doesn't see a whole lot of shots? Yeah, I can briefly go game by game. The first game, Antonio Carrera started in part because they just wanted to provisionally cap tie him because he's dual eligible with Mexico, and it was St. Kitts. <laughs> um, that game ended 10 nothing for those who aren't familiar. So uh, the, the fire had seven expected goals. Uh, the U.S. had seven expected goals, which I've never seen a number like that before. Yeah, Mr. Carrera <laughs> got that cap-tying start, and for his troubles, I believe, touched the ball three times. Yes. Uh, next game against Canada was kind of a fluke game as well. Like, if you want to look at the expected goals, the U.S. had 2.58, and Canada had .5, yet the game ended 2-2. The first goal was not Brady's fault at all. It took some really weird deflections off of Cuevas and Fercranis, and their guy was right, was one-on-one, and just needed to pretty much just kick yeah, the ball for, the, the for those who didn't watch it, it was basically the same level of luck of the first fire goal in the Houston game. It was mm-hmm. No one was particularly to blame, and it was against the run of play. Second goal for Canada was an own goal from Michael Halliday, who has been the biggest disappointment of this tournament. Oof. And again, there's not really anything that Chris Brady could have done about that. Cuba, he, I don't think he touched the ball. Yeah, maybe, that, I think that Cuba game was um, the, the Cuba game was the one I watched the most of to that point, and I was like, man, this was not a good use of my time. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn Sullivan first half hat trick, and after that, everyone was just trying not to get injured. And then yeah, ra- they basically passed 16. the ball around in circles. They won that game three zero. The U.S. probably yeah. could have beat Cuba eight or nine zero, but the entire second half was the U.S. just passing the ball in a circle. Cuba not really feeling bothered to go run after it either because they have a game in two days as well. Right. So they didn't really want to get any yellow cards, any injuries. They did end up losing to Panama, but it is what it is. Um, But uh, what was the next game? Nicaragua, round of 16. Uh, Nicaragua had a really weird way to get into this. CONCACAF, as he said before, is extremely weird. (laughs) Nicaragua got a bye into the round of 16 because they played a separate qualifying tournament. Yeah, so they didn't even have to go through the group stage, and as the reward for that, on the one hand, they got automatic round of 16. On the other hand, they have to play the U.S., and that didn't exactly And the U.S. won 5 nothing. Chris <laughs> Brady he had one save. It was the last kick of the game, <laughs> and it was a Nicaraguan player who had done his hair like Weston McKenney for some reason, dribbled through the entire team, took a really meek shot, and all he had to do was scoop it up, final whistle blows, but technically a save, third clean sheet of the tournament, and sends the U.S. into the quarterfinal against Costa Rica. And again, last night, another clean sheet for Mr. Brady, 2-0. Another one of those games where the U.S. went ahead early and never really, even though it was a closer score than some of their other games, they... It was a little bit more, it was a little bit closer. Uh, Chris Brady had to make a couple saves. He had some really nice saves. He had a really nice save right at the end of the game. And this... I mean, Costa Rica had a penalty in about the 50th minute when the score was still 2-0. Their guy who was taking it, he had the assist against the U.S. uh, in the last World Cup qualifier. So this is a guy with international experience. He steps up for the penalty. Chris Brady taking his his gloves, (laughs) smacking it. I think there was a mic right behind the goal, and he skied the penalty. So we're going to give Chris Brady credit for a guy missing him the target. So yeah, clean sheet for Brady. Yeah. And again, th- this, this next game is the big one against Honduras. So we'll see how that goes. We mentioned that Chris Brady is the only fire player on this team. He is far from the only fire eligible player on this team or who has been in the pool. Uh, the USU 20 teams and kind of all the US youth teams would love to have Gaga Slanina as their goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. But it's basically been the policy for about a year and a half now that that's not allowed. Basically, ever since Gaga got that first camp call-up for the senior national team, he's basically been off-limits to the youth team. Also, he's the Fire's number one goalkeeper. The Fire just so happened to have the two highest-rated youth goalkeepers in the country, which is a really cool thing. And also, 
allows for some it nice. Sucks for Chris Brady though, because yeah. a lot of these opportunities he hasn't had. He's finally getting this opportunity. I asked Mikey Varas about it last night, and he's just so excited for Chris Brady, just because you're never going to be the Fire are never going to release both goalies for the same camp, and nope. that's been their policy for years. <laughs> so I'm just really happy for Chris Brady that he's had this opportunity and that he's been taking that opportunity. Those playing out of the back hasn't been the best. That's what we know. Now, I will give you one thing, and I've been saying this for probably a year and a half. Chris Brady is a better shot stopper than Gaga Slonina. So when Gaga yes. Slonina eventually moves on, the fire are in good hands. His playing out of the back, ball at his feet, will need improvement, and we saw that last night. But he is an incredibly talented goalkeeper, and the fire are incredibly blessed to have both Gaga and Chris Brady. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, Gaga, before getting installed as the fire's number one, Gaga hadn't played much competitive soccer, like in terms of at a really high level, especially because of COVID. And Chris Brady was playing in USL. Right. Chris Brady won goalkeeper of the year his one year in Madison. When Shuttleworth got hurt, I was at first surprised that they went with Gaga over Chris Brady because Chris Brady was for a long time even held up as the better prospect long term. So we'll see what happens. I think it's just we'll just have to wait and see who ends up having the better career right now. It looks like it's going to be Gaga, but... You never know. <laughs> They're so young. I mean, like, these, these guys are about the same age. They're both 18 years old. Gaga will eventually leave. Our assumption is he will maybe not be here next year. And the fire won't just flat out say this, but it's understood that whenever Gaga leaves, Chris Brady's the number one goalkeeper. And then the hope is Chris Brady can be the number one for a couple of years. And then some European team is going to probably come in and pay $10 million for Chris Brady. And the fire will have to eventually find a not teenager to play goalkeeper for them. Mm-hmm. And or find another teenager. I don't oh, know. You know, there could always I be mean, some. I mean, we've other got some guys coming up. Kid wandering know. around. We've got a guy in the U, in the U15s who's a pretty good goalkeeper too, who is in the U15 national team. So remember that too, Patrick Stechnik. <laughs> See, yeah. there we go. Chicago. Hey, Chicago. Chicago is the capital of American soccer. In that, what is American soccer known best for globally? Goalkeepers. And where do all the American goalkeepers come from these days? Chicago. Chicago so you're baby. welcome, world for the future teams that Chris Brady and Gaga play for. Uh, I want to point out this this question in the chat from Outlander because Outlander was actually watching the Bears show yesterday. And he's like, hey, do you guys ever talk fire? And I said, hey, tomorrow, 12-15. And so here he is. He's watching for the first time. So thank you, Outlander, for watching. He says, what are Gaga's chances of going to Qatar in 2022? I mean, that's low. Slim. Um, yeah. There's a lot of dominoes that would have to fall there. The basic understanding right now is that Sean Johnson is going to be the third goalkeeper, basically no matter what. I would love to see someone like Stefan Fry from the Seattle Sounders get a shot as well, given how good his league form is. There's just really no incentive to bring Gaga right now. If the tournament was tomorrow, it's Matt Turner, it's Zach Steffen, and it's Sean Johnson going to this tournament. Um, I'll tell you how Gaga goes to the World Cup. Uh, there has to be two injuries out of any of the Hey, Matt Turner's going to Arsenal. Injuries happen at Matt Arsenal. Matt Turner... Zach Steffen, Sean Johnson, Ethan Horvath, that's the goalkeeping pool right now. Two of those, two of those guys get hurt, and again, that's not unheard of given the U.S. Right. national team's history. Then Gaga goes to the World Cup, but that's the only way. Yeah, he's, he would need multiple injuries and then to be picked over a Stefan Fry-type character. Who, he he, he's yeah. number five right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So, yeah, you need multiple guys to fall out or guys to fall so far out of form that and Gaga to have a good rest of the year. It's very unlikely he's going to go... Whereas on this topic in 2026, it is not out of the question that both Gaga Slina and Chris Brady could be on the U.S. Men's National Team World Cup roster for the Home World Cup in 2026, which would be crazy cool. That would cool. be incredible. It's easy to forget how young this guy is, <laughs> especially for a goalkeeper. Theoretically, he'll be, I mean, look, he's still only going to be 22 in 2026. Right, which is still So he'll be 26 in 2030. Young. He'll be 30 in 2034. He'll be 34 in 2038. So it's not out of the question that, like, 2042, he goes as the third goalie. And that's, like, a made-up year. 2042. That's, a, that's not a real year, is it? Is that, is that a real year? I don't think we're going to get there. Also, it's easy to, for Alex to remember all of this because Alex is the same age as Gaga and Chris Brady. Who So, yeah, that's a reminder. Gaga and Chris Brady would both be going into their freshman years of college this fall that is what we're talking about here and peak age for a goalkeeper is in your early to mid 30s so we've got a long long road ahead before we get out of here alex i do want to talk briefly about some non-fire guys who have stood out in this team 
for the U-20s who are kind of making their mark. The first one is Diego Luna, who just transferred from El Paso Locomotive to Real Salt Lake. They just set the new transfer record for a player going from USL Championship to MLS to purchase Diego Luna. And this guy is an interesting character and a baller capable of playing either as a midfielder or a winger. And I think it's fair to say he's been kind of the standout player for this U-20 team. He's definitely been one of the guys. I mean, he wasn't very good against Costa Rica, and he went missing in that one. So we'll just have to wait and see if he can make come back and make an impact against Honduras. But for the first four games, he was definitely one of, if not the most impactful player for this team. Uh, he can just take defenders one-on-one. It kind of catches you off guard because he's a short and stocky guy. You don't normally see a lot of guys like that as professional soccer players, but he's been excellent. And he's been fast for a guy that size. Mm -hmm. There's, of course, the glut of Philadelphia Union kids who maybe to the fire's benefit will not be at Soldier Field tonight (laughs) because they are all down in Central America. That includes Quinn Sullivan, who famously scored that bicycle kick against the fire last year. The fans may remember or have erased from their memory. Uh, Paxton Aronson, Brendan's little brother, who at times has been rumored to just be off to Europe someday to just follow Brendan around. Both of those guys have some pretty strong links with Europe right now. Paxton has been linked with um, Red Bull Salzburg as the replacement for Brendan Aronson, which is incredible. Uh, Don't even have to change the jersey, the number, the size, nothing. Just just Aronson. Just replace him. Quinn Quinn Sullivan, uh, for more reason than one, is being linked with some teams in Germany. Uh, Borussia Dortmund are trying to get his little brother, who is an 09. I know, crazy to think that we're talking about a guy born in 2009, but Dortmund is trying to sign his little brother, who is playing two years up. <laughs> and so the incentive would be, hey, so if we sign Quinn easier. Sullivan, maybe we can get him to move over as well. Hey, it's the secret. If you've got a kid who wants to play pro soccer someday and you can find any way to get that kid a European passport before he is 16. They're German citizens. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is you can go. This is the the door Christian Pulisic made everyone realize was open if you had it. If you've got a passport for Europe, you can get there at 16 rather than waiting to 18. Those two years are huge. Gio Reyna, shout out to his mother, who is Portuguese, (laughs) who got him over to Dortmund at 16. So, yeah, it's... This Americans going to Europe thing is just going to keep going. Uh, Jack McGlynn, another guy. He also has an Irish passport, so he can move to Europe hypothetically as well. But I don't think he's really athletic enough to go to Europe yet, but he has a phenomenal left foot. Yeah, Jack McGlynn's the sort of guy who, if you ever had a right-sided free kick near the penalty area, area, you might just sub him in simply (laughs) for his left foot to take that. He scored a free kick goal from such a position in this U-20 tournament. Oh, it wasn't a free kick. It was just like <laughs> a me. rip from about 25 yards out against Canada to level that game. There is one other guy I wanted to mention uh, from this tournament who's a bit of a surprise, a little bit impressed, and his name is Alejandro Alvarado. A uh, show wouldn't be complete without a mention of another Alex. Yep. Uh, but Alex Alvarado, he's playing for Vizela in Portugal, which is the same team as Alex Mendez, if you remember him from the last U-20 cycle. Uh, Former Ajax youth player is, is where maybe some fans would have lost track of Alex yeah. Mendes a couple years ago. He, he's reappeared. He's resurfaced in Portugal. But a- Alex Alvarado has been the only foreign 2003 or younger player who's been getting any minutes in the Portuguese league. Mikey Varas has been trying to get him in this entire U20 cycle and hasn't been able to because the club hasn't released him. They're finally getting him for this tournament. And he's been a pleasant surprise. Uh, he's, he's earned the job as the starting eight. Uh, next to Diego Luna, Paxton Clark, whoever it may be in that attacking uh, eight role. And for me, Alex Alvarado, the reason U.S. men's national team fans may want to remember this name is because, in my opinion, I know a couple people have said this too, he really plays that eight role in a way that Greg Berhalter's eights like to play. He does the offensive responsibility and the defensive responsibility. So if he can have a breakthrough in the Portuguese league, he's someone who, if Greg Berhalter is still the coach in the next couple of years, maybe could be a U.S. men's national team player and a contributor for that team. Absolutely. And when we talk about the fact that this team just qualified for the U-20 World Cup next year in Indonesia, all of these guys are basically auditioning now for a spot to still be on that roster. And to your point about guys who could fit Burhalter's system well, once the World Cup passes, everything resets. You've got a four-year runway to the next World Cup. So any guy who And can not a lot of competitive games in that time as well. A lot of friendlies because we don't have qualifying. So a lot of time for younger guys to get tryouts with Burhalter. Because, again, especially because of no qualifying, the first two, maybe even three years before the World Cup, it's all just tryouts. It's all just like, let's get the 18 minutes together 
so we can just keep building chemistry. And then let's just get a bunch of dudes through the door to see who's going to fill out spots 20 through 26 on a World Cup roster. Yeah, I'm really excited to see who those guys end up being. Normally, from a U20 team, if you get two or three guys who graduate to the senior team, that is fantastic return. But from the last one, we've already had several. Dest, Wea, Richards. So, you Josh know. Josh Sargent, maybe his national team career not dead yet. Not yet. We'll see. Fingers crossed. I'm rooting for him. <laughs> but uh, we'll just have to see what happens with him. Yeah. Well, this has been fun to kind of mix it up a bit today, bringing in a younger co-host, talking about some younger players, both local and down in Honduras right now. I'm sure we'll check back in at some point this year with Alex about how things are going for all the fires youngsters. To his point, we're probably going to see at least one, maybe two in the starting lineup tonight. Certainly a few on the bench as the fire deal with some injury issues. A reminder of the upcoming schedule, the fire take on Philadelphia Union tonight, 7 p.m. at Soldier Field. That is Pride Night, so if you're not doing anything else on this beautiful summer Wednesday evening, Alex and I will both be in the building. You should join us in doing that. As mentioned with the points bet pick of the week, the fire are in California on Sunday, 8 p.m. local time here. They take on the San Jose Earthquakes. And as for the U-20s, that is Friday night, FS1, 6 o'clock local time against Honduras as they look to get the American men back to the Olympics. And if they fail to do so, we'll always have the perennial gold medal favorites of the American women. So that is going to do it for this week's edition of the CHGO Fire Podcast. Thanks again to Alex Calabrese for hopping in the chair and joining me in Pat McCraney's absence. We will be back next week with plenty more to talk about from the world of Chicago soccer. Until then, I'm Alex Campbell. Thanks for watching. Thanks for, li for, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.